Once you get rid of the should haves, have tos, and you know, need to do's and all of that, you start to free yourself from these things in which you believe that you need to do only because you made your intellect made you think that because you were fearing something as a result of you then making a decision to solve for it. Were the Beatles correct when they said all you need is love? What does that actually mean? <laughs> How do you actually impart that upon your daily moments? <laughs> to have it serve you and benefit you for the best of your life and the best of every moment so that you stop finding yourself in piles of stuff you don't want to be stepping in or struggling in moments in which you feel like, how did I get here? Well, we're going to talk about some of that amazing <laughs> construct today. My name's Joe. Riley, how are you doing over there? Uh, a little bit blown away because we had about an hour of pre-production call where none of this came up, and then you just drop wisdom like that in the first 30 seconds. Oh, my God, Joe. How am I supposed to follow up any of this? Riley, we're a team, man. This is how it goes. Like, we're, you're, you're the balance. You know, we're the yin and the yang. This is what happens, you know? Well, it's like... <laughs> You reacting with laughter and joy and awe is the balance that's required for something that comes off like that. I, you know, I, I'm not reading from anything. So that's just what, that's just what came the out. You know, that's what just felt right. <laughs> the difference Happy between the last thing you said before the recording and the first thing you said when the red light was on. It just... <laughs> I don't even remember what I said. What did I say? <laughs> It's like you went from Joe Pizzella to Walter Cronkite, just like that. You know, little little dab <laughs> of uh, one of the best newscasters, which I don't watch news, so, you know, why not? <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, anything to instill some focus and have people pay attention, use their currency of attention and energy to pay attention to, to what we're talking about here, because it's pretty powerful, pretty powerful stuff, not just a Beatles song. Not just uh, anything that wouldn't serve you if you don't try it and see if it, you know, see how it might function within your life or reflect upon things. But uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about probably one of the most. I mean, every I think I think everything we've talked about is pretty powerful yet simple in its own way. This is more of a supporting element to some of the things that we've talked about thus far with attention and energy and all of that and. Yeah, so today we're going to talk about love versus fear and the joy or anything other than you we might experience <laughs> as a result of our thoughts and our attention and our feelings and how we make decisions and how we approach things in our day-to-day -day moments. So let's begin All right. on the big search for happiness and freedom. And all of those great synonyms that are required in our language of speech because of the limited essence that occurs within it to which we have forgotten how to feel. We've forgotten how to feel. And so... I mean, Joe, you say language is limited, but one of the articles you sent me has an ad for comprehensive psychoneuroendocrinology. And... I don't even know. What Nobody does. Nobody does. But it's a word that they had to make up because uh, I guess any one of those prefixes by itself would not uh, do it justice. I think we add complexity to words to add confusion that's not necessary. It's like we feel like making things more complex and more sophisticated is going to make it 
more advanced and more believable and more like scientific and all of these things. Yet the most powerful quotes, the most powerful phrases, the most powerful things in your life are probably those in which we're most simple and we're using very common terminology to describe, uh, which we do our best to do here on the Be Insanely Great channel. And if you know how many points psychoneuroendocrinology would get you in Scrabble, please comment below because I would love to know. <laughs> yeah, I think you're off the charts in that one. Um, or Wordle, is that a game people play these days? Oh, the word guessing one, yeah. Yeah, that's a... Anyways, too many, too many syllables, too many characters. So try and translate that to a different language. I don't think computes. Um, so let's let's get right into it here, Riley. What's on the agenda? Any for today? little miracles this week? It's been two weeks since we've recorded. This would be Friday the thirteenth, so very spooky. Not spooky. Good luck. Today's my today's my grandfather's birthday. Who's who's passed on? He's passed on about a year after I was born feel like he was always kind of with me growing up being a bit of a guardian angel as a flock of finches flutter by but uh yeah it's how you how you approach it i'll admit i thought friday the third i thought it was like the worst i was scared i had and then i was i was growing up and then my shoe size became 13 i'm like oh my god this is the worst <laughs> like, you know how could how could this be happening to me you know and then i had all these fears about friday the 13th and i'm like Oh, I didn't even think like, oh, wow, we're talking about love versus fear on Friday the 13th. Huh. Interesting. <laughs> but seriously, like it was something that I qualified as a young child, like, you know, fear and scared and being afraid of, you know, this day of, of that happens, you know, several times a year, usually. Right. Much less in October, the month of, 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 of the, the great holiday of Halloween, which is not my typical like favorite holiday but you know hey everybody does their thing you know good for you like we give out candy in droves take as many handfuls as you want you know we have a happy ghost outside with joyful pumpkins and you know all that good stuff but yeah it's, it's how i qualified it when i was when i was younger and, and then i and then i all of a sudden once i realized that my grandpa's birthday was on october 13th i was like man maybe it's a good thing what if i start thinking about it as a good thing <laughs> And then everything changed. I didn't have, I didn't experience like, and then, and then like, I actually had really bad days on those 13 days. Like not just, it was in those Friday the 13th days. Every, like, I was like, oh, this is the worst. Oh, it's because it was Friday the 13th, you know? But then I started having really great days on, on, on these days. And I'm like, oh, I'm, you know, how, how blessed am I that my shoe size is 13, which it's wide and now it's 14 because I can't get wide in my shoe. Anyways, um, go Alberts. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, it's how you apply it and how you think of it. And that, that then becomes your conscious awareness to which it constructs your moments and how you, how you feel when you see and experience things that come into your life. And so I'll say that's a miracle, even though it, didn't happen in the time and space in which the past two weeks had occurred. <laughs> it happened in my life in which it's in which. And then I was thinking about recently, people say, some people say there's these quotes that come along that say, change your past. What does that mean? Change your past. How do you change your past? Because the past happened. Well, what it means is, is that you change that moment or those experiences to serve your present moment now, which is where 
all that matters exists is this present moment to affect you in a way in which it's positive instead of negative, right? That's how you change your past. You don't change the facts and the truths of what happened. That's always going to be a thing. But your feelings towards it and how it made you feel and, and all, of the ele- all of the other elements that are within your control of where your energy was placed are the things that you can change. And that, that is, in effect, how you change your past. You change your past by saying, this, wow, that used to affect me. I'm not going to let that bother me anymore. Or I'm not going to think of it in that way. I'm going to think about it in this way because this way is actually going to be good for me. It's going to serve me. It's going to make me feel a way in which I know it's going to be constructive and positive and, and, and beneficial as a beautiful cardi chirps and flies by. So yeah, so that's my, that's my miracle, Riley. For those who need a good example of that, go back to episode one of the big search for happiness and the great basil caper. Oh yeah, there you go. <laughs> I was so upset until someone <laughs> said, isn't it so great they took the basil? I was like, holy smokes. Uh, I guess it yeah, was. Yeah. And then I had a complimenting story that you didn't even realize. I didn't even realize. <laughs> and we're like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So what's your miracle, Riley? I think this miracle this week is going to be Canadian Thanksgiving, uh, which is not much different from American Thanksgiving. But uh, I got to have a nice little break and go home and see not only my parents, but my sister and uh, one of my uncles who's normally down in the States. And just getting there and being able to rest and relax around folks that you love. And, you know, I think one of the great things that's happened in the last 10, 15 years is just we've uh, really opened ourselves up as a society to, you know, redefining what family means. Like it doesn't have to be people that you're related to. I think it's, you know, more so people who bring you peace and happiness and who can help in certain ways refill your cup in ways that you find helpful. And that's definitely uh, what my family does for me. And so that was, it was just so nice to, Take a few days off, just completely off. Disconnect. They live out in the woods where up until last year, they could only get dial-up internet and then Starlink came out. And so like when you were out there, you were really, really disconnected. Your phone, you might get text messages throughout the day, but you weren't getting any data or anything like that out there. So you really, you, you had to make your own fun. You had to, you know, move logs out from the forest into the into the woodshed for uh winter to use as fuel for the fires and things like that like it's a it's a really a uh for us in the city it's a it's a nice it's a nice change of pace and it's uh every single time i don't i didn't appreciate it when they moved out out into the woods in the last couple of years of high school for me that was a little tough but now going back and visiting them and especially during the fall when all the leaves are changing color and uh it's so so beautiful and uh you know, it really, Joe talks about the miracles uh, or the miraculousness of small things a lot. And this is definitely something that for me, it just, it kind of shakes my consciousness back out of uh, any sort of, you know, stagnant water that I might be, my consciousness might be living in. It sort of shakes it up and gets that river moving again. The power of forced presence, right? <laughs> it's like you have nothing but to be present and to appreciate everything around you and the people around you and what instead of having a portal of like infinite everything in your pocket you know that you can access at any moment which has its benefits most certainly but you know also has its other kind of elements that <laughs> force distractions of 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 attention and consumption of energy that we don't even realize And so, yeah, that sounds beautiful. And I learned my first, I got my first education on Canadian Thanksgiving today. (laughs) They have, they have great sides, you know, traditional family recipe sides. They usually do a roast of some sort, it sounds like. And, you know, they, 
even then it's on a Monday. That's crazy. <laughs> but you know, it sounds like having it on a Sunday. So the Monday's the recovery day is almost like their Black Friday, but they still do the American Black Friday. So I got the I got all that I got all that context from the Canadian <laughs> Thanksgiving and it's syncing up with Columbus Day usually makes it a beneficial for those that work with the Canadians and Americans. Did I get all that, they, Riley? Does that everything. sound like I got all the all the cliff notes yeah. there? <laughs> so that's what we were talking about before the podcast started. And then Joe just launched into is love everything that Beatles ever made it out to be. And like, have you ever really considered your place in the universe? And I was like, I was thinking about mac and cheese when we started this, Joe. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to get your mac and cheese recipe. <laughs> my grandma's mac and cheese is, was fantastic, but it used Velveeta, Whoa. which is not a bad thing. But, you know, like, yeah, it made it super yeah. cheesy and super creamy every time. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. So are we diving into love versus fear? Are we at that point? I think point? we, we dive into love versus fear. I guess we dove in from the very beginning, but let's uh, let's get a little, I guess, scientific from whatever studies and, I guess, what we typically need from our intellectual standpoint to like say, oh, this makes sense. I can believe in this now side of things. And and I think we have another art, a couple articles to, to kind of look at. We do. As perspective. So here is Love and Fear, a special issue, again, from the, we've grabbed an article from these folks before, the ncbi.nlm.nih. Oh, that's... NIH is a the National Institute of Health for the United States government. That's where this is published, I believe. Right? So the abstract is probably, it gets into some very, very technical terms later on, but the abstract is really good. Love and fear were forged in the same fundamental evolutionary process that permitted life on Earth. Both love and fear are deeply interwoven with the adaptive management of stress and disease. Love and fear share common roots and both play a role in reproduction, survival, perceived safety, and well-being. The special issue of comprehensive psychoneuroendocrinology focuses specifically on the causes and consequences of love from the interactive perspectives of evolution, neurobiology, and culture. And it really does go through a whole bunch of different aspects of, like, it gets into sort of how they would define love in a clinical sense, which is, you know, the release of certain, like, uh, oxytocin, and then how that interacts with the endocrinology system, and all those sorts of things, and how this release of how spurring the release of these certain chemicals in the body has a whole bunch of different effects on how different parts of the body sort of interact with each other and how what can prompt those sorts of releases of oxytocin and other chemicals in the body and it's like what is the evolutionary principle of why is that released even when it's not necessary from a reproductive standpoint AKA love. Why do we love somebody past the point of reproduction? Why is that something that's evolutionary beneficial? And then it talks about how that the differences between love responses and fear responses, which this and then the other article, when you don't choose love, you choose hate. Both sort of define all of our different emotions either come from a basis of love or a basis of hate. Uh, or not, not basis of love or basis of hate, basis of love or basis of fear. Well, and hate and hate is almost like a sub is almost like a sub a child of fear. Yeah, and that's kind of what we're what we're trying to simplify as we have these this published study that was essentially sounding like a study trying to correlate the physical expressions that occur within the human body to feelings from from a catalyst of a feeling of of, of either love or, or fear, right? And then seeing what happens within the body when that happens, because, you know, as we, 
as we, you know, said with, with words, right? Words have different, you know, sometimes people say love is only romantic love is only sexual love is like, that's only love. But like, well, what about like your parents and your grandparents and your friends and your family? Like there's, there's platonic love, right? And so there's different elements of love. And then also having like love, you put love into something, like whether you're, you know, cooking something or, or, or making something for somebody or, or building something or constructing something or, or, you know, having an artistic, putting your love into something that's, that then is called art, right? And, and, and I believe that art is kind of limiting and I think art is more expansive, like literally anything that anybody puts their heart into has an element of, of their soul. And, and, and that, like, what if, what if that is is, is all that love is, is, is literally the energy that beats your heart, that powers your life, that gives you conscious awareness. And if we just focus on that and, and, and allow that to be the driver, our intuition, you know, everything that's, that, that we know inside, you know, is the typical terminology we use is how we should do it. Yet our intellect gives us these fears and these doubts like, oh, you can't do this, or you can't do that, or you should consider this, or what about that? And, and are there, are there elements of that that have potential value occasionally? Absolutely. But like allowing that to override what you feel in your heart should or should not be is where we start to get into the place of, of fear overtaking what we instinctively have as a, as a driving force that again, powers our life. The electrical pulse in our heart powers our life. You know, it's no, it's no accident that, that the universal symbol for love is the heart. And the heart is like within our body and the electrical pulse that defines a living person or a living being and a, and a no longer living person or living being is the electrical pulse that's in your heart. <laughs> okay. So how could that not be for consideration of what we're talking about here, something in which we allow ourselves to function from to where when we do that more consistently and we under, and we go back to that when we start to have doubts or we start to have fears, we go back to that and we allow that to be our source and our single source of truth as what's typically what's said in business, your single source of truth. You start to realize that and then you reflect, you reflect on decisions you made. You could have made, you know, been in business and been working and be saying, and my grandmother would say, it's like, you, you got to think about it bad to come good. So I'll agree with that to some extent because <laughs> like, but, 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 but. Like, I'll agree with that to how I functioned previously in a, in a state of consciousness in which I took exactly that advice. And I went through a series of business decisions in, in one massive part of my professional career, and it came good. It came good. But you know what also came? So many, all the things I feared piled on for years and years. I'm like, oh my God, how did this happen? Why is this happening to me? All this good happened, but then all this bad is coming with it. And I didn't realize it until recently within the past year of coming into the, the, the experiences I've had in my life in which I'm able to reflect on that and say, wow, I brought that upon myself. I attracted that back to me. Did I put love into it? Absolutely. But I also put fear into it. And when I put that fear, that has to come back. Everything you put out has to come back to you. And so like when the law of attraction, whatever you want to call it, like the law of life, you know, <laughs> like how you think and how you feel and the actions you take result in the experiences you have in your conscious awareness, right? And so it's something to consider. It's something to, you know, you probably say, is it that simple? Well, it can be if you think of it like that. <laughs> At least from my own experience, that's exactly what happened and continues to happen with how I've made my own decisions in my life.
humans have evolved so that they respond to danger immediately because that is it overrides everything else in your brain. If you sense a danger, that overrides everything else in your brain. But what we are now seeing in these other studies, especially with uh, how love is expressed throughout the body and between people. And even this article talks about how it had elements of the release of oxytocin. You can see it in also like how animals are domesticated, especially with dogs. Like there's a reason you feel good petting a dog and a dog feels good getting pet. It's because the two of you have evolved together over centuries and centuries and centuries in a mutually beneficial relationship that then now our bodies instinctively react so that those positive things can come out about. Or the reason why we love, you know, parents and grandparents and things like that is because it allows us to be in a consistently more safe experience throughout our lives, which then allows us to release more oxytocin, which then allows, which controls things like inflammation in the body. It controls how you, like gut health, it has, it regulates, you know, cellular degeneration, things like that. It has so many other great, not even side effects, just effects, as long as you can concentrate on, you know, the safety aspects of your life instead of the danger aspects of your life. So it gives us the building blocks to create a society, a society that we feel safe in, a society that we feel loved in. And then that is reciprocated throughout the body of all these positive elements. But it only happens if you're not constantly paying attention to the fear, because if you do that, you shut down the production of your oxytocin. And that's an incredible, like, narration, Riley, because, you know, the reality is, is we're looking at our collective universal consciousness as a human species. Only within the last 50 years or so have civilizations within humanity been in a state of like constant peace. And, you know, there are certainly civilizations in which like even today there are, that's not a thing, right? And, and our, our heart and our love goes out to every one of those and, and on both sides because like like we like you can't overcome hate with hate doesn't compute and so love is 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 the only thing the energy of love is the only thing that can do that right and so but the point is is that there hasn't been in our like known civilizations within the past thousands and thousands and thousands of years like a place in which you aren't in a in like trying to make sure you're constantly safe right and so thankfully you know in, in the americas you know there's like freedom is the first element <laughs> like freedom is why the americas were were created right and so you know how grateful are we to have that you know but using that as a basis to say what do you like there's there's so many things that we think we need to be afraid of that we've constructed in our mind and said we need to I, you need to be afraid of this. I, I didn't respond to this email or, you know, I didn't do this or I didn't do that. Like, you know, once we start, as Wayne Dyer says, once you get rid of the should haves, have tos and need to do's and all of that, you start to free yourself from these things in which you believe that you need to do only because you made your intellect made you think that because you were fearing something as a result of you then making a decision to solve for it. Right. But then when you start letting go of those things and you start allowing yourself to then function from a place that is absent of fear, then you start doubting yourself less, then you start making choices that are way more like constructive for your own and serving to you and, and the people around you. And then you'll reflect back and say, you know, wow, I don't, these things don't like these problems stopped coming, <laughs> which is, which is incredible. 
And it might be saying, what is, you know, how is that possible? Well, like, if you don't try it, you'll never know. That's all I'll say. And if you reflect back on the times and what your mindset really was in times in which you had struggle prior to that, and, and, and you putting your attention and your energy too, and then you think about things that you were, you were and, and you're really honest with yourself. You really have to be honest with yourself and you really have to think about it and reflect on it and try and understand, try and understand at a depth that you probably don't frequently do. Like, what was my mindset? What was I thinking about? How did I approach that? How did I make those decisions? Did I make them from a place of fear because I thought something was going to happen or should happen or, and then something actually did happen, even though it was good? And then trying to put those pieces together so you can prove to yourself that it's something that's possible, that if you start to function from that more consistently to where your decisions are absent of fear, you might start to realize more miracles happen than you could have ever imagined. And it's a and even peacefulness is a miracle, frankly. I think one of the great little uh, parts of this other article, when you don't choose love, you choose fear, is it points out that there are so many people, like so many people today operate out of a fear of death. And that when you talk to folks who are, have been diagnosed as dying or, you know, have some sort of disease in which they, they will eventually succumb to, they have to come and reckon with all of our worst fears that come forward and have to be faced directly. You have to, it's not something you can put off. It's not going to be, it's not something that you say, oh, that'll happen later. That'll happen later. That'll happen later. But they take on those fears head on and then they live life completely differently. Like no one who really, you know, is diagnosed or you see so many great stories of folks who have decided to live life to its absolute, they say, you know, live life to their fullest. It's the one thing all these people with chronic diseases say is like, I started living the moment, you know, the day I discovered I was dying, like I, I just really started living. And that's, I think something that is tough to take to heart if you are not ready to really take on that big, big fear, because it's, it's big and it's abstract. And you hope for everybody, I hope that it's very, very far away. But if you can confront that early, how differently would you live your life? 100%, you know, and, and I, and I think part of it is the people that make that decision in which they start living their life is because there's nothing to fear because they know what's happened. And then, and then also on the flip side of the people in around that person, you know, it's like, we all have people that we love that pass on. Right. And our reaction to that is every is unique to everyone. And usually what we believe and what we see around us, you know, and what the typical thing that's conveyed is, is everybody has a right to grieve. Everybody has a, and they do everybody, everybody does their own thing. Everybody can, everybody makes their own choices. Absolutely. You know, I, when my, one of the first impactful deaths in my life, my grandfather passed away and and I was, you know, I was bawling, crying. Like it was, it was, I felt like it was the worst thing. Cause he, you know, I guess his another grandfather, not the one I mentioned, you know, my mother's father, he, you know, I grew up with him, he took care of me. And it was, it was a really tragic event. You know, I'm like, he's not, he's not here anymore. I'm not going to be able to see him anymore, you know? And then fast forward 10 years later and my grandmother passed away, who was probably one of the most, if not the most impactful influence on, on my life for how I operate in my life. And I'm so thankful to have come to the realization that like, I don't, I, instead of me putting all of my energy and fear in the fact that they won't physically be here, I put all the love that they gave and that I appreciated and that I received and into my heart 
And I said, you know what? They've always been here and they've always, they all, she'll always be here. And when I did that, it was so powerful because I didn't even cry at her wake. I didn't cry at her funeral. I had moments where I cried on my, in my own time, but that was only because I literally felt her energy with me. Like one time I was, I, I was actually meditating and then I, I just, my hands, I, my hands just went like this. And I, and I, and I felt like I was hugging her, you know, I opened my eyes. She wasn't, I could, couldn't see anything, but I literally felt that she was there and she, we were hugging, you know? And so I cried and I cried and everybody, everybody goes through these things differently, right? The only thing that we're saying is that going back to everything we've said, what truths you accept is how your consciousness functions, which is how you will function in every present moment, which is all that matters, which is all that matters. Because that's, you know, we think that everything is out there, but literally everything comes from within. And, and if we can accept that as a truth that we function from, and we believe that the experiences we've had with these people that we've loved our entire lives, they're never going to die. They're not dying. You know, they're going to a place that's going to be fantastic for them in their own soul and their own soul's journey. And to, and to have it be something that they, we know that like we can accept, like they're going to be in my heart. They're always going to be there. Can I call them on the phone? No, but you know what? You can have a conversation with them just as you know what they would say. How many of us, how many people have conversations with people? They're not there, whether they're living or they're passed on. And they know what they would say. They know what they would tell them, you know, because they're not physically there. We put so much energy into that, that then sucks us into a, a pit of despair and, and, and grieving that that doesn't do anything for us except for us to make us feel better most often. And, and this is not a criticism of anybody. This is not a, a judgment of anybody. Anybody can do their own thing. This is just an alternate perspective to consider that at least for me and my own like experience of, of, of death has been so powerful and has been so helpful and it's been so transcendent because I never would have imagined, like that was my biggest fear was losing my grandparents when I was younger and growing up. And to, and to be able to sit here, I, like it's, it's, it's mind blowing to me that I'm able even to say this, you know, because it's such a different perspective that I never even considered, never even considered yet. It's so simple. And it's something that you can feel, you can feel it. You can feel them in your heart. You know, not a time goes by now in which my grandmother passed away six months ago. I feel like almost every night I'm able to say, I love you, grandma. And then like, a, like, a, like I feel a charge run through my body. Like, I just now, like I just got goosebumps. Like it, like how magical is that? Like I couldn't even, I couldn't, when she was alive, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I didn't do it as often as I did now. And how sad is that? Right. And so like, it's, it's just something that it's, it's having a different perspective and then having that be something in which you're not pouring your energy into something that, you know, you know, in your heart is not something what you would know they would want you to do. You would, you know, that that's not what they want you to do. <sighs> so thankful. So great. And I think the other thing that folks need to remember is that this is not when you choose love, don't do it in an Instagram way of, oh my gosh, I only post up the happiest photos. I'm only ever happy. That's not how it works. I didn't choose to eat once and then never get hungry again. There are going to be times where I need to refill and there are going to be times where I feel fear in my life. But what I'm trying to do is choose love in every opportunity that I can so that I feel full spiritually as much as possible, because yeah, there are going to be times where you fear enters your life. Absolutely. That is death, taxes, fear. There are realities of life that are going to happen, but 
choosing love as often as possible or choosing those feelings that come from love as often as possible instead of the ones that come from fear. Let yourself experience those fear emotions, but don't choose them. Don't don't let them overwhelm you. Try to, in every opportunity, choose to come from a loving space. Yeah, the lyrics of All You Need Is Love from the Beatles is quite simple, yet profound. And, um, you know, I remember watching an interview of George Harrison and he just said there was just something at that, like the energy of the entire, that entire time was very different than I think they ever, the way he described it was just in that way, you know. And when John Lennon was on the Get Back documentary where they were doing the last rooftop concert, John Lennon mentioned that they wanted, he wanted the mess, he wanted, he wanted to do the concert. At the time, they weren't doing concerts. They weren't, it wasn't a thing. Like they had moved on from that. This was going to be like May. They didn't say it, but you know, I'm sure some of them felt it. Like this is probably the last time they were going to do a concert. And some of the producers felt that as well. Right. And that's depicted in, in, in the documentary. But John Lennon said, is like, we, I want to do this for communication. I want to do it just like all you need is love. Like, like, and that was, that just felt like something from so deep in his heart that he wanted to send like the message of all you need is love and the message of get back. Watch one of our earlier episodes where we talk about the whole get back, whole get back album and the rooftop performance and all of those songs, you know, get back, get back, get back to your feeling, get back to your soul. You know, don't let me down. Like, you know, it's here, but you decide to look elsewhere and and put your energy to other things in which you know that that's not going to serve you and be good for you and be good for others. Right. And, and so, and so having, Having a message so simple in which, you know, again, we use words so complicated, even in a, even in a study, even in a scientific study to describe a, a simple concept, we feel that we need to add sophistication. Whereas Da Vinci said, simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. So <laughs> let's do more of that and then try to apply that in your life to where these deep concepts, This could seem, you know, people could be listening to this and say, oh, this sounds too complicated. This sounds too sophisticated. But the reality is, is like, they're not (laughs) really simple. It's just they're very deep. They're very deep. And if you're not able to, like, have a potential to try and understand the depth at which we're we're conveying these simple concepts, it does kind of go by the wayside, as, as they say. But the reality is, is you can simplify your life. You could do it. Like if you do it little by little, moment by moment, a little here, a little there, you'll come to find over many, many present moments that like, wow, like I don't do this or that, or I'm so, you know, I have, I feel more fulfilled. I feel more free. I, I don't let these things bother me. I don't, and, and all of that. Right. And, and it just comes little by little and giving yourself the opportunity to grow like a tree. You don't plant a seed and a tree shows up tomorrow. No, you got you got you got to nurture it. You got to give it love. You got to like take care of it. Take care of yourself. You got this. <laughs> <laughs> this thing called life that we think we put so much charge of it's difficult and terrible and a struggle. What a miracle! What a miracle! As as Neil deGrasse Tyson states on his. On his feet. The odds of you being born? Oh my God. <laughs> Good luck with that. Trying to trying to figure that out, you know, and, and and the rarity that occurs with that. So yeah. I think another great way to look at it, it, it and there's a little quote that I always like to uh, go back to, which is that the it's the dosage that makes the poison. We 
are supposed to experience fear, but evolutionarily, it was to experience it for minutes at a time, at most, seconds at a time. Alligator about to bite me, snake coming out of the tree, something that I can immediately react to and then get away from. And then that, the fear that, you know, sets off the adrenal gland, you know, gets me to react and sharpen my senses really, really quickly has done its job and then it can be processed through the body. Our bodies, our minds were never meant to live in fear all of the time, which is what, if you find yourself, you know, doom scrolling, listening to the news too often, just try to identify things in your life with that are draining you consistently because that's not what your body was built for that that's not how we evolved to have a consistent chronic amount of stress amount of fear amount of hopelessness that's not you're not supposed to operate from that all the time you're supposed to operate from love which should be where you're coming from almost all of the time yes and again sounds simple but the reality is none of us are here to say like you can you'll immediately start being able to do this all the time, like right now. No, it doesn't work like that. It does not work like that. It's cause for celebration when you find those moments in which you achieved and overcame that fear or overcame that element in which you used to make decisions from that was a, you know, child or substrate of fear, you know, like doubts or questioning things or like question. The biggest fear that we have is our, is the belief in ourself. The belief in yourself is the biggest fear that almost every human being on the planet has. And it doesn't need to be that way. If you look at the most successful beings that have existed, as Einstein says, you look at the most successful people that have ever existed in our societies, you look at them and they all started within their heart and within their soul first. And only then, only then did they become known because then when they were known, they had already identified what they need to be and they focused on themselves and they believed in themselves and they had belief in themselves. And you, you ask any high functioning athlete, you ask any, any of the, any of the most famous people on this planet as of, that have achieved successes that our society puts on a pedestal to say they're great. They'll tell you that they believe in themselves. They won't, they'll say they have fears. Absolutely. And I'm sure some say, and I watch interviews, they say, oh, I was terrified of this. I'm terrified of that. Like, absolutely. They have fears. But the overwhelming majority of the time, they believe, they believe they can do it. They have confidence in themselves. And they, and they're, then what is that? That's absence of fear and an instinctual choosing of love, love for yourself and love for your ability that you know you have within yourself, that you can do it. You can do, you can have, and you can be anything you can imagine. Like, that's what the lyrics of the all you need is love tell you. Like, that, that's in it. You can do, you can have, and you can be anything you can imagine. It's just a matter of giving ourselves the opportunity to give it a shot. <laughs> Try it out. See what happens. You know, I think everybody loved the song. and Oh, it's a great melody. Yeah. But nobody, not nobody, but very few people, like, actually tried to, like, take it to heart and actually apply it in their lives and see what happens. Because when you do that, you might be surprised. <laughs> you might be surprised. It might be somewhat miraculous, you know? But you don't know if you don't try, just as, as with anything, as with anything. But because it comes from feeling, it's hard to be, it's hard to these days say it's tangible. You know, if I said, oh, there's this building over there and it's got this great thing in it, you got to go check it out. What are you going to do? You're going to go check it out, right? But because you can see it, you can feel it, you can touch it. But because we're talking about things that are your feelings that you can't see, you can't touch. You can feel every once in a while, 
but it's harder to grasp as our conscious, as our universal consciousness in our society has, has constructed this time and space right now. And so because of that, like we have to overcome that. We have to get to a place in which that isn't an obstruction. That is something that we've like moved beyond and now accept them something new for ourselves. That's constructed for ourselves. That's serving ourselves. That's allowing us to be more free and more happy and more joyful and more full of that love that powers our life. Ah, amazing. <laughs> and if you want to see practical examples of this, watch a season of Survivor or The Amazing Race and watch how well the teams or the individuals who are operating out of fear do versus the ones that are operating out of, especially in The Amazing Race, the one the teams that build each other up. <laughs> Sorry, there was doves, that, two doves that literally just flew by my head. I don't know if we got those in the shop, but literally like right by my head. Wow. Thank you for allowing my expression to interrupt your, your, your words, Riley. <laughs> wow. But no, and to compliment what you were saying, and I think some of the things that you've shared with me off camera, you know, since we've been working. Mostly about mac and cheese. Mac, well, and observing, observing other people's behavior and saying, are they, and just, just using that, use, use that as your test. You're like, is this real? Does this make sense? Use that as your test. Like, are they making these choices out of, out of fear or are they making these choices out of love? Are they making these requests out of, are they, are they, are they coming from a place of fear or are they coming from a place of love? And you'll, you observe that for a few, few days, few weeks, few months, whether you're watching reality shows, whether you're watching movies and trying to follow plot lines, whether you're observing like habits or people in business or people in your family or around you you'll start to realize patterns. And once you start to realize the patterns, you'll start to say, wow, this kind of, this kind of, this tracks, <laughs> you know, and then you start making decisions differently because you see it happening and you see it functioning in a really tangible way. Then it starts to become tangible because you see it and you follow the dots. You've connected the dots and you're like, wow, this is actually happening in this very simplistic way. And in, in trying to qualify every person's intention, is it literally from a place of fear or literally from a place of love or an absence of fear? If you if it's hard for you to define love as 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 anything but, you know, romantic or platonic or whatever. Right. But that's literally what it is. Literally that simple and an incredible way to approach it, to try and understand it through your own interactions of like a, like a, like a litmus test. Is this a love or a fear approach, you know? And then you can also start seeing it in who are the most charismatic people in the room. Like think about Joe. Could it, would it be possible to be in a room with Joe and not have a smile on your face? I don't think so. Cause Joe becomes a beacon of what it is that he's talking about, which is always coming from love. And the most charismatic people in the world are the ones who can not only feel that internally, but then broadcast it out to other folks and help them feel that. Like there are people who just recharge you that way. And there are people who are the exact opposite, who become beacons of fear and they will drain you with every single interaction because of where they're coming from. I'll, I'll accept your, your gracious comments. Only because like, that's what happens. Like I get on, a, I get on a call and you know, everybody lights. I say, Hey, how's everyone doing? And it's like immediately, you know, how could you not react in a, in a positive and even the people in which, you know, it's like, I I've had experiences in which in the beginning, once before they get to, you know, realize like, is this guy like this all the time? And then they see that I am and they're like, 
whoa, how can I not? Why, why, why is it? Why can I? How can I possibly, you know, be just slightly more, you know, uh, jovial, right? And and not like you know looking down and and which I was the shyest kid on the playground. So like you know here here I am like spilling out my heart to to the world as they say you know on 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 the fabulous interwebs of of our connected society in uh, 2023 but yeah like it's it's and it's literally just being yourself you know that's all it is it's like just be your be your genuine self and if you're following and tracking what we've been talking about like you know your true self is what is the energy that's in your heart that's powering your life and that's that's essentially your soul Right. And so like, if you just be yourself, which is your genuine self, which it is, is powering your brain, right? Like, let's be real. Like your, your body is, is no longer functioning and declared deceased. Like your brain is, is there physically, your heart is there physically, but because there's no electrical charge, because we're all energy, we're all energy. Everybody is energy. And the faster you could realize that everybody is energy, you know, and, and, and remove the appearances that are formed around that energy. And, and putting so much weight into that, the freer you'll become, the happier you'll be, and the less, the less limited you'll find yourself, right? Kind of, something like that. I think you hit the nail yeah. on the head. We've gotten there somehow. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's love versus fear or, you know, hate, which again is like a, a substrate of, of fear, you know, and, and there's, there's certainly, as you know, we, me we mentioned like love. Love has meaning. Everybody, all words have different meanings for different people, depending on their own kind of a consciousness and experiences in their own life. Right. And so like, there's many different synonyms for love. There's many different synonyms for fear and, 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 you know, child words that, that exist that, that then ultimately, but ultimately lead up to one of those two. Right. And that's what we're saying. And so give it a shot. Give it a shot. Do we even need to get into the other article, Riley? I don't know. I touched like, on I feel it like uh, throughout. Yeah, I think I think we're good. I mean, you know, again, it's 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 a very simple concept and it's a pretty profound shift in, in your life, even just from an observational perspective. If you start to look at things differently or just look at things through that lens and it'll it'll start to click and you'll say, wow, it, it kind of. Yeah, <laughs> makes sense when you have that background to, to framework to construct things instead of you trying to figure out all why do they do this? Or what is this? Or where did that? It's everything becomes so much more clear, so much more clear. The clarity that exists when you have a framework to approach and observe conditions in your life with people, with things, with whatever is happening, with the lens of, is this a love approach or a fear approach? You'll, you'll be like, wow, that, that makes things a lot clearer and simpler for me to make a decision for how I want to function or how they may be functioning so that I can handle that better, right? Or handle that so I'm not contributing to the madness or, or fear that exists there. I see it clearly. So why would I play into it? You know, there we I, have it. I don't think there's much more. Operate from love. We did it. We did it. Operate from love. Don't allow yourself to get into fear. Isn't it? At its true core, fear has selfishness right there's a selfishness that exists at the core of fear that is hard for some of us to like accept and then if you look at love it's the opposite it's selflessness it's unselfishness so you know another another polarity of two 
very simple elements that exist with other synonyms. Love is selflessness, unselfishness, and fear is selfishness. Things start to make sense. And when you have these simple frameworks to observe life, whoa, then things really start to kind of come together and the dots connect. You're like, wow, this is pretty powerful stuff here, this simplicity. Why was I complicating everything? <laughs> <laughs> so give it a shot. If ever there was an America, ethos statement for the podcast, the this is simple. What, what, Why are you complicating everything? Common sense, right? Isn't that what they call it? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's all for today. Good friends and viewers and listeners of the channel that is Be Insanely Great. We hope you have a marvelous, wonderful, and joyous day and week and weekend, depending on when you're listening, and uh, month, year, series of present moments, whatever you want to call it. Be happy. Give it love. Don't let fear in. Say no. Be gone, fear. Have an amazing day. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>